Hello, Career Cohort. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Emily Wong, founder of Words of Distinction. We talk about tools for achieving career success, inspirational stories about overcoming career and life challenges, and how we can recalibrate our perspective to better enjoy the journey forward. Hello friends, this is Emily Wong here and today I thought I'd talk about ATS. And if you're not familiar with ATS, it stands for Applicant Tracking System. And it's something that a lot of clients bring up to me because they're concerned about their resume getting through the system. It sometimes even instills a little fear in people because they're so worried about if they're doing anything wrong, are they going to get a zero, which believe me, doesn't happen. If you ever got a zero, then the uh, recruiters would want to know why that happened. So I just want to kind of allay your fears and talk about the things that you have control over and that will help you get through the system. And Before that, I just want to reemphasize, and you've heard me say this before, ultimately, it's the reader who's important. So rather than thinking about all the keywords that you're going to stuff into your resume, think about making your resume easy on the reader, because that really is the ultimate gatekeeper. So with that said, let's talk about those things that uh, I think that people have the most concern about. And there are really three things. One is the skills section. People want to know if they should have a skills section. And yes, you can still have a, a skills section. You should often have some sort of capture that has maybe if you're in tech then you need all those technology skills listed Um, maybe it's language skills maybe it's big bucket items that you're known for like P&L management and budgets and things like that that are keywords that uh, people are going to be looking for and maybe want to have like a just a snapshot of those skills but again don't overdo it I I would say, you know, I've had lots of conversations with my colleagues and we agree that probably nine to 10 at most are good to have broken out. And if you go to my website and I will share in the show notes where those are, I have resume samples that you can look at. And sometimes I might have like the really, really big bucket items right under the headline and then have some secondary uh, skills listed to the side or under just underneath that first paragraph about you. But I don't use a lot of real estate. If you look at the way I have those skills laid out, I tend to either use a table where I'll have some sentences or bullets about you, and then to the right, the, the second column in that table, may be dedicated to skills. And again, if you go to my website, you'll see what I mean there. So have this skill section, yes. But at the same time, remember that the reader wants to know how you use those skills. So you need to have those skills 
listed in the context of what you're doing anyway. So make sure those skills are in there. Make sure you have context around them. Now, sometimes if you have a job description, and by the way, job descriptions are something that I always tell my clients, you should really have a job description, one to three job descriptions when you're writing your resume. And there are a couple of reasons why. One is that it helps you really home in on the type of job you're applying for and then reevaluate whether that role is, the, is a viable option for you, making sure it's still a good fit. Another thing that job descriptions do is when I'm working with a client, it tells me whether your background that is on your resume is aligned with your career target and whether or not we need to address gaps. So if you send me your resume and you say you want to continue or you want to do a job that maybe is different but similar, but the job description that you send me is very different from the resume that you send me, then I'm going to ask you about the gaps and how we can address those gaps. And there are some ways to address that and we'll talk about that. The other thing that it does is it focuses your career target. So as you write your resume, you can continue to focus, think about those skills, those big bucket items, what it is the company is looking for in a candidate. And then you can talk about how you solve certain problems. So if once you have your job description, pull out your highlighter and start identifying those key job specific terms the company lists. So one of the things that, you know, we talked about is identifying those gaps and one of the ways to address that, say there's a Python or, or some technical skill that you need and you have all these other great skills. So are you in a position where you can just take a class, take, I don't know, LinkedIn Learning, or you take a, a local university class and sign up for it? On your resume, then you can say that it's in progress. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not lying. If you're truly pursuing this, you can include that and say in progress. And then that keyword is in your resume. If you're a student, list relevant classes and technical skills that you that you had in in uh, at university so those technical skills will usually be in the name of your classes that you took so you can list those classes list your projects and your projects are going to talk about those skills as well so there's another way to really make sure you can get those skills in there Another thing is make sure your keywords can be read. You know, there's, I often, especially when I work with technical folks, they may have a software skill that is by design, it's written differently than you would when you're using that term normally or, or within the normal context of a term. But it's changed slightly because it's a product the spelling has changed slightly. So you want to make sure you're using that correct spelling because remember, it has to match that job description skill. Also, just reread the entire resume for typos because 
if they're calling for a sales manager and you say sales manger, for example, right? This is just kind of a, a, a funny one, but there are typos and you don't want to have a typo, especially when there's a specific skill involved. All right, and then formatting is the next kind of bucket that I wanted to talk about and how that affects the ATS. Formatting can be everything from shading to using borders, it's uh, font style. It also includes graphics, but I'll leave the graphics part to the end. What I wanna talk about now is using things like columns and tables and those other basic formatting features. If you use formatting features like shading and borders and the normal fonts like Calibri and Garamond and, and things like that, you're not going to run into any issues. Your resume will be read, so there's no concern there. Same thing with shading, same thing with borders. And the same with columns and tables. Now, I don't use columns, be and that's not because the columns won't be read. It's because I write resumes for my clients, and it's a lot easier for them when they take that Word document that I create for them. They're going to have a, a working document, and I don't want them to have issues when they're trying to reformat that things. And I find that using columns does create challenges that way. So instead I use tables. And again, I've used tables in my samples. So if you go to my website, look at my samples, you'll see how they are, how like the, the borders are, are hidden, but you will be able to see in the top part, you will see kind of like a, a, it looks like a column of skills, for example, that is a column. That's one column in a table. So tables are red, but don't use multiple rows, just one row, two columns. And I don't use tables anymore for skills because I think that looks dated. And also it just takes up too much real estate when I'm listing skills, I don't want to use a ton of space. So I'll either use that one column that's part of a table or I'll use uh, just rows, maybe three rows, three rows max for skills is all you need. And then I separate them with a symbol, like a little square or something like that. And that works just fine. Recruiters are fine with that. Okay. Let's talk about graphics. Infographic resumes kind of, you know, got a little popular and they are fine. They're fine for when you're going to an event and you want to give somebody like a one page, one page resume that just kind of highlights, captures who you are. Just remember that those graphic heavy resumes will not be read by the ATS. They won't see anything. And so you can have that as a supplement as part of your package, but your main resume, the one you're sending in when you're applying for a job, cannot be, it cannot have just graphics. So in that case, maybe you will get a zero <laughs> when it goes through. But again, 
probably the recruiter is going to wonder why that uh, that's the case. And I don't know a lot about, you know, scores and things like that. I don't pretend to know that. But I do know that the graphics don't go through. So if you want to use graphics, and I do, and again, if you go to my website, you'll see some a sample or two that actually has, they have graphics in them. But I use graphics in two cases. One is if the terms that I use in those graphics are not keywords that need to be read, or two, I already have the information somewhere else in the resume. So a good example of where I might use graphics is, say somebody has increased revenue in every single job, they've increased revenue by a certain amount. So in the bullets, I will talk about this dramatic revenue increase and explain it a little bit. But to the side, I'll put a little graphic and I'll just maybe with an arrow going up or something like that, and then just say revenue up uh, 65% or something like that and do that for each role. And then you have like this little graphic that shows consistency because in every single case, there's that information. It's a little bite-sized graphic for the reader and it's kind of a fun little thing. It's not necessary, but again, I have written that information elsewhere in the resume. So it's not gonna get lost. It won't get filtered out by the ATS. Uh, another thing is um, using a, a graph is great, but you have to make sure that when you use a graph, it's really easy to read. I've read graphs either in, because I also teach resume writing, I've seen graphs that make it a little bit more confusing because either the columns were not labeled correctly or the way they used the columns did not really clarify or really present the information well. So then it's just a little bit of a head scratcher. So you don't want the resume reader to be scratching his or her head, right? That graph should serve a purpose. And if you're not sure how to do it, just leave it out. Or you could even use a table in this case where you you want to have that little graphic, a table is very easy to use because then you can just create the year in one row and then in the next row show that increase in revenue. And that's a very clear way to show it. But again, you don't have to do that, okay? But if you want that graphic to go through the system, it does need to be a table and the graph will not go through the system. So I think I covered everything. One more thing that I wanted to share is headers and footers. I really like headers and footers, and there's only one way I use them. It's for that second or maybe third page of a resume where I will rewrite the name of the person, the email address, and the phone number. And that's so if for some reason this is printed out, 
those pages won't be lost, right? The reader will know who they belong to. But I only use the header or footer for every page except page one. On page one, I type out the name, I type out the contact information, and that's because ATS doesn't read headers and footers. It's, all, it's like a graphic. So you need to make sure. And the other thing that it does is it kind of makes it kind of grays things out. So if you're using color, it doesn't look very nice when it's in the header. But the header is really nice and the footer is really nice because when you say you're writing a resume and, oh, you come back and you say, oh, I need to add another bullet. If you had just typed in on the second page your name and your number and, and your email address, it will move if you insert more information. So you don't want that to have to move. So a header and footer is static. It will not move. Keep in mind there are more than 200 ATS systems out there at last count, I believe. And each has company-specific settings. So my advice is based on what is generally the case. This is based on multiple conversations with recruiters, with other colleagues, people who are specialists in ATS. So this is generally speaking, but the information I provided you is pretty much going to serve you uh, for any ATS. And remember, always try to find someone within the company to whom you can actually send a resume so you don't have to just rely on those systems. I hope this was helpful and I wish you all the best in your job search. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Career Cohort. I'm Emily Wong. You can find all my podcasts and blog posts at wordsofdistinction.net. And if you'd like to chat about how I can help you define the next step in your career and achieve your goals, head on over to the same website and book a time on my calendar for a free consult. In the meantime, please be sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great content.